Hey, Goody Peepees. Quick heads up. For this episode, the audio is going to be a little bit garbled. We had a problem while recording. And huge shout out to Sprood Jameson for coming in at the 11th hour to fix our camera audio, which is our only source of audio, to make it not sound so trash. Hopefully it's okay. Enjoy the episode. Two young hobbitses, the Tickler and Kanjan, went to the great Mount Rainier to throw the ring in, and they came a bit short and ended up in a place known as Broken Anvil Land, in the podcast known as Trapped Under Plastic. The podcast where an older guy stalked a younger guy, parenthetical via email parenthetical, and seduced him into a beautiful romance. It was a bromance, but... You bromance! Jesus. <laughs> Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is Chris, owner of... Broken Anvil Miniatures. We're here in Seattle hanging out with him. How are you doing, man? Tired. Tired, yeah. You guys have a Kickstarter uh, coming out, and you're here on a Saturday. You brought out some workers for us to hang out with. And interviews. And burritos. And burritos. Burritos, muffins. Muffins. And high chews. High chews. High chews. Yeah. Lots of of chips. So he seduced us with food, essentially. Yes. (laughs) Brings us out here with food. And then uh, we get to play some Rivenstone. Yeah. And then we get to record a Trapped Under Plastic here. How does this look, Goody Peepees? How do we look in here? Probably better than our other set. <laughs> a little blue and a little pink. Yes. Yeah, it's really nice. So, we got some preamble ramble business here. Uh, John did lore. Yeah. Everyone's I, screaming right now. I got, I got a, a, a relevant story to our time already um, here in the Pacific Northwest. But before I tell that story, I'm going to tell this story. I broke down... And watched a lore video on YouTube, mm. Warhammer 40k lore, and it was by Arbiter Ooh. Arbiter Ian. This is the 40k timeline in 20 minutes. I've and seen this name on my like home tab for. He's a nice British gentleman. He's got a nice soothing voice, and the video has a half a million views. Jeez. So I'm like, all right, buddy, let's see this. And uh, he does a good job very early in the video of explaining. We don't know exactly where to start because there is no start. Like, the the lore is just like this timeline that just has no beginning and no end and a million holes in it. But he did a really good job. And actually, I got to the point where I'm like, this kind of makes sense. It's ridiculous when you when somebody, like, says it all out loud. But uh, I was like, okay. I did a lore, okay? So that's that's it. I can die now and say I did lore. Chris, do you know about 40K lore? Not much. Not much. Not so much. Like, if he gave you like a <clears throat> rudimentary single question quiz, would you name I that? I would fail miserably. Okay. Miserably. Can, you, can you name three Space Marine chapters? Probably not. Can you try? Let's see. Blood Eagle. Is that a thing? Blood no. Eagle. No. Blood <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> this next. Is, next. This is don't. Terrible. Wait. No. This I'm gonna make him up. Uh, uh, Space Storms. Night Demons. Night Demons. Night Demons. Blood Eagles. Got it. And the uh, Trash Bros. Trash Bros. <laughs> Is that a good one? Yes. Did I win? Yes, you win because here's the thing. In, in the, for Space <laughs> Marines, custom chapters yeah. can be named whatever the fuck you want. Homebrew. Yeah, yeah. Blood Eagles are Vikings. Green Cobras. <laughs> Trash Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Coming at you. There's only two of them. <laughs> yeah. They're really powerful. Salamanders? That's one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Salamanders. Newts. I think you uh, offer Blood Angels. Raven something. Raven Guard. Raven Guard. 
Yeah, Blade. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know them, but I know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The red, everybody, red, yeah. black, green. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, well, not we're in Seattle right now, and we're hanging out. Uh, we were talking earlier, me and my wife were talking to some of the staff here, and we're like, kind of curious about what we should do, because of the free day. And three individual people, you being one of them, brought up this thing called the troll, or the stone troll. The troll. Yeah. The Fremont troll. Yeah. Fremont troll. And when it was first brought up, everyone was like super stone cold about it. And I yeah. was like, is this a real troll? There's really a troll. Yeah. And like even right now, he's being super nonchalant about it. It's a big ass troll. It's a one-to-one scale stone <laughs> yeah. troll yeah. under a bridge. I want to see it. I mean, carved from wrong. stone. Oh yeah, it's terrible looking. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. It's cool. And it's a thing you have. You have to see. Yeah, like, I think you can like sit in his hand too. If well, I'm not mistaken. Okay. If he doesn't like you, he crushes you. Yeah, yeah. That's it's how you know yeah. if you're gonna make it to heaven or not. <laughs> There's usually people crawling all over him. All day long. Oh, okay. He's very busy. Are they homeless people or just like regular people? I can't really answer that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. Okay. A lot okay. of yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a story? I got a story. About hot sauce, maybe? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so when we arrived here yesterday, uh, Chris threw us a giant barbecue. AKA, they moved into a new office space and their neighbors next door threw them a barbecue and we showed up. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Like the first time Chris talked about it, I'm like, wow, they're going to throw us a barbecue with all the staff and everything. And I was like, oh, wait, it's not for us. <laughs> Never mind. We're employees. Yeah. <laughs> so we got some really good eats, right? I yeah. ate, I ate like two full plates full and I regretted it afterwards. Um, with burnt ends? Yeah. Baked beans? Variety of salads, uh, macaroni, potato, and noodle. And uh, oriental salad. Yeah. That was good with the ramen noodles. It was. Why are we talking in southern accent? I feel like when you get in a barbecue, just, you just you just you evolve into the birds and whisker fingers. Birds and whisker fingers. So um, I don't know if the goody babies know what a wizard finger is. Did I talk about that in the podcast before? It's an old no. cold hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's an old cold shrimp of hot dog. It looks like old wrinkly wizard fingers. Anyway. So we're tearing down after the barbecue. I forgot we were telling the story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're out in the warehouse and kind of putting putting away stuff. And Chris has got a big old fridge in the warehouse where they're going to put all their drinks and stuff. The leftover beers and Cokes and other assorted waters. And uh, he turns around and he says, hey, John, you like, you like hot things? And I'm like, yeah, I like spicy things. I like spicy things. And he's holding some bottles in his hand. And they're hot sauces. And he's like, I made these hot sauces. So I'm like, well, I have to be a good guest and taste Christmas hot sauce. And so he pours a good amount into a plastic spoon. It was like a drop. Yeah, it was like it was a, a drop. It was like a tablespoon. Okay. It was a lot. All right. Let me tell my story. <laughs> and I put it in my mouth and I kept it on my tongue to like get the flavor. And it Who needs, does that? I don't know. I wanted to taste it. When you were telling the story the first time, I was like, why did you do that? I wanted to, because usually if you have something spicy, it's got good flavors to it. You can yeah. taste a little cayenne, a little yeah. chipotle, yeah. a little jalapenos. You'll taste that no matter what. Just eat the sauce. Yeah, well, it didn't taste like anything. Nope. It just tasted like lava. Hellscape. And so I'm like, oh shit. And then I swallow it. <laughs> and I spent the next 15 minutes crying. Like crying, I couldn't even see. I couldn't talk. It was it was horrible. And I'm like, "What's in it? What was in that thing?" And he had two of them. And he gave the other one, which I had later after I could finally taste a little bit, was delicious. But the first one, he gave me the like the devil's asshole first. 
It's called Death Sauce. Death Sauce. Okay. It's got what, a skull on it. What for a reason? What uh, <laughs> What was in that? It's yes. a lot of ghost pepper and reapers and habaneros, and that's it. But no, oh, oh, it also has uh, that liquid red shit in there. No, no, no. Okay. It has a pure capsaicin crystals as well. Okay. So if we were to put it on a rating scale, it'd probably be well into like the four million Scoville's. And it's not flavorful for a reason. It's just an additive. It's it's only hot. So you use it as an additive to other hot sauces to modulate the temperature. Or just put it on something that you're cooking to make it hot. Yeah. Okay, like it's not great to too. <laughs> so you you gave him a spoonful knowing this. It was a drop. I gave him a drop. Oh. He, got, he got a drop. And it's hot. The people but I smelled him. I also warned him. I was like, this is very hot. Did you? Did you? Did you, did you he said that? it was hot. And you were like, I got this. I got this. You, you got fucking schooled, brother. Hey, I didn't cry like <laughs> you and, and poop at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like I won. <laughs> this morning, however, I, it was, I had forgotten about the hot sauce. And I get up this morning and I, I, I got up this morning like, oh, 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 I got a little gurgle guts. And I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm like, what is happening? It meltdown. It was, yeah, it was like, oh, the lava is back. <laughs> Mountain Doom, round two. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to go three times right before we we're going to walk over here. I'm like, we need to wait. You're like, I got, you need know, I need 10 minutes. First wait. of all, why does it take 10 minutes to have diarrhea? Because for it, me, it's like done in 10 seconds. Sometimes you have those where you don't know if you're done or not. You okay. gotta sit there and you gotta make sure. Yeah, this out. was my situation in the morning. Or it hurts too much, do you have to yes. stop and like yes, you're like <laughs> take I deep can't breaths. Move right now. Yeah. I just gotta get some wet wipes. Yes, and calm down. Well, I had to wipe washcloth over my forehead. <laughs> what the? Uh, you guys gonna like doctor, dude? <laughs> not anymore. I'm good. I felt cleansed. It was like it burned everything in my body on the way out. It's like everything came out. So thanks. Thanks, Chris. All right. Bro broken anvil hot sauce coming to a start. <laughs> That's when the stretch goes for your Kickstarter. <laughs> Get my death sauce. You're going to die. All right. That's all we painted. Uh, I painted Lionel Johnson, uh, the Prime Light 4. The Dark Angels. There we go. That blood. Eagles. Blood Eagles. For the trash bros. Yeah. Trash bros. <laughs> Dude's got some options for assembly. You can have a giant yeah. chainsaw, a giant sword, you have a helmet head, or a non helmet head. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Why didn't have any options? Why didn't you get options? I did a helmet and a big old sword because it looked like a knight. Nice. Yeah, it does look like a big great sword. Yep. It, it is. is much cooler. It is. I mean, know your opinions on swords in the future, John. So yeah. Can it? That makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, there's chainsaw swords. I said cannons! <laughs> chainsaw swords. <laughs> Okay. Ah, shoot. Okay, uh, what was what was your? I tried to experience. I tried to go with the box art, and I tried to do it in one sitting. Okay, I tried to sit down and I painted that model, assembled it, and painted it. Oh, in like 16, 17 hours. It was a uh, straight. Rough. Yeah, you went overnight. Oh, I stopped and ate, and ate dinner. Okay, and I went overnight. Yeah, I did not sleep that day. Okay. Uh, and I tried painting the box art, and I got like mm, maybe like sixty five percent of the way there. In terms of quality, you know, probably another 30 hours, maybe I could get like 90% of the way there. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? I think because of the situation I put myself in, mm -hmm. it was impossible to enjoy. Yeah. I feel like no model would have been enjoyable to me like that. So no, I didn't, to be totally honest. But that's my own fault. Okay, Chris, have you done any hobby lately? <laughs> I have. Okay, look at this. We got a guest that does some hobby. Okay, Chris. Uh, I actually... 
a painted lizard man from MCP. Wow. Yeah, I don't think we've seen that model, but it's really impressive. He's like jumping out of a sewer thing and he's got water splashing everywhere. Okay. So cool. I was trying to use the new uh, army painter speed paints. Okay. So it's kind of tested metal. Didn't like it? Didn't like it? Where I don't like it at all. Honestly, I think they just they don't cover as nice as some of the the contrast paints do, mm -hmm. but uh, and then some covered more than expected. Okay. So they were they were fairly inconsistent for me. But I've seen a lot of people do videos where they're fully consistent. So I don't know. Sounds like a you problem. Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> probably is a me problem. Yeah. Too much hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing hot sauce. Hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, I painted. Two things. I painted my own Primark, my personal Primark, which is Conrad Kurz, the personal hero of the Night Lords. Yeah. And he didn't get me any options. It's just his his zombie-looking face, yeah, and then his claws, Wolverine claws, mm -hmm. which were great. Um, it was a lot of fun to paint. I painted some of it on stream, yeah, and then I painted the rest of it over the course of two days at home. And I think too, it was probably like a a seventy percent ball sack. Yeah. Job. Yeah, Certain yeah. areas were probably more like 80, and then there was a whole bunch of them at 40. Yeah. So I'd average it out. I but, mean, a little, you know, pressing the base, maybe. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to, like, not feel ashamed when it's sitting in the case of Warhammer World. Okay. That was my dream. Are you throwing shade right now, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you should feel ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. They'll put yours in the dark corner. No, no, no. no. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's all black anyways. Or maybe they'll put it next to Vince's and it'll look great. Oh, maybe. Oh, Vince. <laughs> yours is better than mine. Uh, uh, maybe. Here, maybe they have a giant, like, acrylic cube, so you can't get that close to it, right? Oh, right. It's like, I can't see the model. It's like, yes. Yeah, that's a good idea. No, okay. Okay, it's not that bad of a paint job, okay? I'm making it sound like shit. It's not that bad. I also painted a, a Eldar Warlock from 1990. A metal Eldar Dang. Warlock. Um, that I bought off of eBay, and then I had to strip it, and then painted it with a paint set, the Games Workshop Eldar and Orcs paint set from 1990. That was still new in the package that I opened up for this video. Mm. And, and uh, in the after party, you're going to talk about something known as paint whispering, and it's going to apply to this paint. Um, it was it was an experience. But not all unfun. Painting old metal models is kind of cool. Yeah. But yeah, I'll say they're very like it's interesting. I'm reminded of like of that era of metal models um, by pretty much any manufacturer, but GW especially. They're all very two dimensional. Yes. It looks like they got they got squished in the Han Solo thing. Mm -hmm. They're all like, eh. yeah, you can't go forward or back on anything. It's all. Like, Do you know why that is, Chris? That's just super early mold baking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think a lot of it stems from the rubber molds. They just mm -hmm. didn't want to do any other cuts. So yeah, right. easy peasy. And we then get them easy to cast. Yeah, yeah. two part mold. Okay, gotcha. How was the uh, the experience with the paint, though? That seems like a nightmare. It was, and it actually, oddly enough, because uh, in a prior, 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 prior video, I did the old hex pots from Games Workshop, and these ones are in the same old nineteen ninety ones. They're in the exact same pots that P three comes in today, and Foundry comes in today, the Nocturnal Paint comes in today. Those like apparently those pots have been around for longer than Scott, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, they were, only the tin bits, which is the metallic, was completely fucked. It was like, the inside was like a thick crayon of complete hardness, and everything around it was like soap bubbles. Mm. And I was like, there's no bringing this back. But everything else was relatively smooth. It's very thin. I was shocked how thin the paint is. And it goes on like, a, like an ink more than a paint. Really weird. 
Uh, okay, I've, ha- I've never used that old of a GW game before, but I used like the screw-on hex pots, and that wasn't ever like ink-like. It was like no, no, no. Yeah, the hex pots weren't like that at all. This stuff is. There was a couple of colors that were thicker, like the bone color um, was a little bit thicker. But most of the colors were very thin. Do you think it was just because it was old and the change over time, or because that's how it was originally intended to be made? I checked, like I dug around the bottom of the pot, seeing if there's like settlement that was just like crusted on the settlement, like little houses. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God! There's pioneer down there. (laughs) I crushed it. (laughs) Oh no! The God squished us. Uh, no, there was, it was not. There was nothing in there. It was just the consistency. Now, maybe over time, you would think that it would lose more moisture, wouldn't you? Right. Not yes. be more. It, but it wasn't that it was uh, moisture. It was broken. The You know, the pigment wasn't separated. It was just very thin paint. Now, over two or three coats, they covered. But, yeah, in the after party, I'll talk about how I had to deal with that. But it was, uh, it was not super fun. This episode is sponsored by Chimera, debuting their new Kickstarter, Tenebrae, Fate of Asteria, which is out now. Chimera is showing off a lot of new goodies in this campaign, including eight new figures in 75mm scale and 38mm scale, as well as some new Chimera color paint sets and some sexy-looking unlock goals that we're already seeing Mm. unlocked. The Kickstarter will feature the older Chimera Colors Pure Pigments that we're familiar with, the newest paint expansion released last Christmas, the two initial signature sets from artists Michael Vasarsky and Danilo Cartacci, and the brand new set created by Robert Carlson. The miniatures adhere to a dark gothic fantasy theme similar to Dark Souls or Elden Ring, so even when you're taking a hobby break from getting crushed by Margit, you can still be immersed in the From Software world. The initial models of the campaign feature a female necromancer mounted on a beast, four warrior zombies, a paladin, and a barbarian, but more miniatures will be unlocked in the stretch goals. If Chimera hits their stretch goals, we will see two new 200mm busts, two more mounted figures, two other paint sets, and free painting tutorials from Michael Pasarski, Francesco Ferrabi, Robert Carlson, Eric Swinson, and Fabrizio Russo. The stretch goals for this campaign are absolutely stacked. Mm-mm-mm. This will be the fastest way to get Chimera paint sets as backers will have their orders fulfilled before a lot of this product is even going to be available on their website. The campaign is already launched, and as of the publishing of this podcast, there is less than a week left. And there's no pledge manager after for lay pledging, so all the items available in the campaign are only available during the campaign period. If you want something, get on it. You can find links to the campaign in the show notes or description below. Thanks for sponsoring episode Chimera. Now back to the episode. These little boys are giggling while I'm trying to introduce our main topic. And the main topic is Chris from Broken Animal Miniatures. Go, Chris. Yep. What's up, kid? (laughs) (laughs) So we want to know. We want to know what it's like to own and operate a miniature company. So we got some questions here for you, but you can also just, like, riff for a while about it if you want to. Um, If you want to do these questions, let's do it. Let's do some questions. Okay. So why don't you give us a typical life in the day of a miniature company owner? Like, what is day a start life like? Day. day in the life. Oh, that's a lot. Oh, you only get uh, one day to live your life. Yeah. <laughs> You're a baby and then you die. <laughs> oh my God. Make uh, miniatures quick. Day in the life. I am a miniature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. What's normally look like? Emails. Awesome. It's a lot of emails. Yeah, what kinds of yeah. emails? Everybody. So it's, it's just a... Uh, yeah, my role being a CEO slash creative director is a lot of just communication. So it's talking, talking. It's it's emails with clients, emails with vendors, emails with Kickstarter, whatever it may be. And then it's 
going in between each of the offices, talking to the game designers, talking to the artists, concept artists, everybody. So it's just talking. Okay. I talk a lot. How much staff do you have? Uh, on site, like 26, I believe. And then another maybe 10 remote. What are their various roles? What do they do? We have everybody from administrative assistants all the way to studio directors to sculptors. Uh, ter- we have someone making terrain twenty four seven. He doesn't full- get to sleep. Is it twenty four seven? Terrain, 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 terrain. Is it a full time job? Yes, full time. Yeah. Could you imagine? I wonder. I wonder how many people in the world have full time terrain making yeah. jobs. Yeah. Just him. Yeah. We have studio painters. Uh, we have mold makers. We have a guy that pushes the button on the CO gas machine. Yeah. He does more than that, but yeah, yeah. that's really his role. He's the production <laughs> dude. We have someone who clips minis off of sprues and takes the sprues and puts them in a bin for recycling. Yeah. Uh, and then clean up the model yeah. uh, for like mold making and stuff like that. Oh no, that's just for for packaging of the minis. They're oh. Clipped, oh, yeah. clipped and then QC'd and packaged. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dang. 26, that's a lot of people. Yeah. We got the tour around here. Because you guys are not even fully moved in yet. You're no, in a new we're space. Two day, three days in, maybe? Something yeah. Like I heard some of the staff were like, Chris was yelling at us to make sure it doesn't look oh. terrible for Scott and John, because we will talk terribly about you, yeah. which we will. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it looks great. I was I super mean, angry. Yeah, yeah, I could tell. I could tell. But like, there's so much space. There's so many different work units. There's. It's just like, it feels like, there's so much more going on here that yeah. I would have realized. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I would say the the one thing that grinds my gears. Uh, <laughs> I hear it a lot, a lot uh, on all of our like discords and community stuff is that people think we're a Patreon creator, like we're like a small entity of a couple people. They don't realize that we're like a we're a company making miniatures, and unfortunately, like yeah, we we. Uh, we haven't had a lot of opportunity for physical stuff because we have this big Kickstarter fulfilling Dungeon Delvers. Mm-hmm. Once that's done, we have a bunch of lines planned for physical stuff. And that's really going to take over our entire days. <laughs> it's just yeah. physical mini-making. So. Yeah, I remember at one point you had a cool display miniature line. You had a kobold. Yeah. You had young Odin. Yeah. Are you hoping to bring stuff like that back? Bigger scale stuff or most yeah. scale stuff? The artist series stuff that you're talking about, we'd love to continue. It's... They're just hard to make. Yeah. So now with CoCast, I think we're going to be making our artist series in CoCast. Okay. A little bit cheaper for people, and we can pump them out faster. So because yeah, like man. casting fifty Odin took you know weeks. Mm. So yeah. Okay. In resin. Yeah. Okay. Do you know uh, of anyone else who's doing display models in CoCast? Not that I know, but I think Yet Haro has done a few large scale models. Like they have this orc riding a dragon or something. Things like. Like this I love you know Yedhara. Like, yeah, you, you do such great research about. I love Yedhara. Yeah, I know. Um, but cool. their their Seocast stuff is really clean. But yeah, they did this really big dragon, and it's, it's super impressive. Okay. So, I don't know if it's a display piece, but it's it's big. You can display it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's a display piece, right? Put it on your kitchen table. Do you feel like do you feel like the Dungeon Delvers like uh, Kickstarter campaign is kind of like weighing you down at this point? No. it... Uh, yes and no. Yeah, I guess it kind of a little bit. Yeah. It's it's mainly just like we hit a wall with this size problem where we didn't really know what we could do with the CO casts. And so we got them and then we started producing. We've produced like 98% of the models. They're done. They're just waiting to ship. The rest we have to get made somewhere else because they're too big. Uh, so we're making them out of resin, um, which is close enough to CO casts. 
just fine. It's just uh, it's costing us more money than we expected, and we obviously aren't going to put that onto the customers to be able to eat that cost. So that's frustrating. Um, but we don't want to diminish what we promise people, so we're just making sure that we deliver the same size that we told them. It's just yeah. taking a little bit more time. So. Okay. Amazing. Once that's done, though, that's like 89,000 miniatures shipped. <laughs> that's a couple of miniatures. Yeah. <laughs> just a few. Yeah. Well, the warehouse I saw, there's just like boxes and stacked on boxes and boxes. Yeah. So if you're yeah. waiting on your Dungeon Delver Kickstarter, yeah, they're there, I promise. I probably stole it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we stole it. shows all the boxes. It's like, all right, one of these. Ah, you got to get on a plane, though. You know how that's going to work. You can have anyone's job here. Which job would you take, John? Anyone's job? I mean, the obvious answer is Studio Painter, but I kind of feel like I want to be the videographer. Oh, you can have that job. Dude, because that guy was talking about, he he showed me some of the shots he got in the trailer for the new Kickstarter campaign yeah. for Rivenstone. And he was like, somebody tries to take four hours to set up and get it. I'm like, I'm here for that. Like, I don't <laughs> want to spend that long. Like, for one shot. sweet shot. But yeah. Panning across the minis, yeah. the smoke and the beaming lights. Yeah, like the lightning effects. Yeah. yeah and the background. Uh, it was, That's wild. He said it's all practical effects, too. Yes. No CGI bullshit. Yes. Yeah. It's all like robots moving the cameras and everything. Is the real Jurassic Park dinosaur over here. After effects. Yeah. Obviously, I, would, I mean, I'd paint as a hobby, but that'd be a cool job to have. Yeah, I, I really like where Jordan's doing like all the stuff for the box arts, for all the stuff that's being showcased. Like him, you know, going full ball sack on that stuff, and it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, I would, I would like to do that. But I also don't want to be train maker guy. A train right? maker, train maker. Oh, the no, train maker. I make the trains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys see the train department? Full <laughs> other room, dude. H O H-O scale. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I would because their boards here are like legit crazy awesome as we saw at adepticon like that board playing on that board just felt so freaking sweet so to be able to like take my time and design and consult with the art team and like make it a reality of a board that's like you know that this board won and someday people are gonna be able to play on it but it's also like a piece of art as much as the mini so mm -hmm. i would the board breaks down to five pieces for travel yeah mm -hmm. that, that's engineering i don't yeah. know why i'm qualified for this job <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm kind of curious about how Broken Anvil came to be. Like, wh why miniatures? Why are, you, why are you into miniatures? Yeah, that's a tough one. So we have a different company. We make statues and collectibles. Yeah. And in 2020, people stopped buying those things mm. because COVID. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did is we're like, well, they don't want to buy these expensive statues. We all like toys and collectibles. What can we do? Um, and we had Michael Jenkins on board. Michael Jenkins is a sculptor. Uh, he was sculpted for Steam Forged, and he did a bunch of stuff for Hate. And yes, uh, I love all of these things. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> and then he did. Uh, he worked at Privateer Press for a long time. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Why don't we do miniatures? Like it makes sense. Do you have a miniature sculptor on staff? Like, right. We can make miniatures." And so we just started fucking around with miniatures. Uh, and actually, some of the first things for Rivenstone were done in like mid to late uh, twenty twenty. Not by Michael, though. We actually hired a different sculptor named Brian Dugas, who also worked at Privateer. He did a bunch of the Troll Bloods. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, he came up, he did some stuff for us, and we sold the one you painted, Sir Tornavir. Yes. And uh, Nightblade LaCroix, I believe, was his name. Okay. Those were test minis at a different scale than what Rubenstone is right now. Rubenstone's 35 millimeter heroic. That was 45 millimeter heroic. Yeah. Kind of big. Yeah. Uh, those things sold out, yeah, like, like that. Mm -hmm. We had no presence at all for for Broken Anvil, and people just loved it. Yeah, and we're still getting requests today for those 
those models. Did you say they were limited edition somewhere? Yeah, we only made like a hundred of each. Okay. And then we just sold through. We're like, you know, we don't make it anymore. We're not, we're not doing that scale. It didn't work. And then we hired. Why not? Why did you choose not to do that if it sold so well? It's not my fault. I'm <laughs> bigger. Uh, I'm going to blame this on Oz. Oz is going to kill me. Oz Schoonover. It's his fault, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that Oz Edificon? Yeah. yeah. So he was the, the first game designer we hired. And uh, his con- he convinced me to drop the size just because his mindset was like, if people buy your game, some of them are going to buy it for the game. They want to buy it for the minis. And 45 mil is a game. Yeah. Nobody has like yeah. terrain or anything for 45 mil. So yeah, it's, it's a good argument. Yeah. He convinced me, but I wanted like 54. You want like G.I. Joe's from the 90s? Oh, those little yes. action figures. Yeah. Yes. I have some of those in like a bucket somewhere. Because I come from statues. So uh, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, love, yeah, like, I love this, this is the opposite. Pigatures. That's what we want. Yeah, yeah, okay. well, we can get there. Hopefully Maybe the next good. Kickstarter. We got some stuff coming through. It's, it's like the size of a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the burrito <laughs> I ate earlier. That burrito is, is, is taco. Shout out to Taco Dudes. Yeah, Taco Dudes, way more stars than fucking Dairy Island. <laughs> and, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so you started off with statues. You dipped your toes in with miniatures. That seemed to work yeah. well. Um, what made you decide, was the next step Dungeon Delvers, I guess? Yeah, it was. So we wanted to just do something. We're like, mm-hmm. let's make a bunch of miniatures. Let's make some physical stuff. But we also saw the CEOcast machine. Mm-hmm. We were like, how do we want to raise funds to get that machine? Because mm-hmm. that's going to be awesome for making miniatures. And we have a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff of, of product lines that we want to make, like D&D lines and things like that. And we're like, this can do it. This can make this easy, right? Uh, so we just made a bunch of miniatures and then offered up STL in physical form. And that was it. And it was like 77 miniatures, I think. And we did that. That was really slow. That took us three months. And now, <laughs> I know, which is crazy. Because that sounds like a... 89,000 like, miniatures. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant the, I meant the sculpting of... Oh, the 77 took a okay. long time. Okay. Because right now, That's through our Patreon, amazing. we can do over 50 in less than a month. With I mean, our current staff. Yeah, I mean, that is insane. Yeah, did you have a number on how many miniatures you made in like 2020, or you have like a figure? Oh yeah, well for the first year of Broken Anvil's Patreon existence, yeah. right? So that was I don't think we started until 2021, because mm-hmm. April was our first year. So it was April 2021 that we did the the first month of Patreon. We've done over 600 miniatures. <laughs> yeah, it's wild, and and it's like they have a distinct. Like art style, art design, mm-hmm. things feel like they live in the same universe. It's not like oh, I got a goblin this week. It just it feels way more realistic, and but the orcs feel way more cartoony. It's like no, they all feel like they live in the same world. So it's like it kind of makes sense to me now, size of your team to keep things consistent and to bring out that amount of quantity of things and yeah. keep your your standards up. Because otherwise, I would just like I can't see making so many models. And eventually the train falls off the tracks just because right. you can't keep that up. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you think yeah. that, because that feels like, and you probably know this more than Scott and I, because you're in the industry and you keep an eye on all this kind of stuff. That seems to be, it's like an arms race yeah. with Patreon SEO companies. And a little bit. <laughs> that it's like, who can bring out the most stuff? Who can make bring out like the most eye-catching stuff? Who can grab the attention for the X amount of dollars that are in the market for any given thing. Like, 
where do you see that going, and do you want to be there when it goes there? <laughs> I think it's gone where it's going to go. So right yeah. now, I think that it's it's very oversaturated. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like if you go to my mini factory, you don't even know where the hell to start. Yeah, there's yeah. thousands of creators. And that's the other problem too, is like, none of this is curated. So it's Patreon. Anyone could start one. doesn't matter. Yeah. But the problem is like, they all pay for advertising. They all put themselves in front of you. So you don't really know what to choose. And now with thousands of them, and some of them are, are I mean, there's definitely like upper echelons of, of quality. And then there's that middle bracket where you're like, yeah, it's okay. And there's so many not great ones yeah. that just kind of flood that my manufacturing area. So I, in my opinion, I think we've reached that like the precipice of you know, this is what it is. You have your your one percenters like the Artisan Guild, uh, Arch Villain, Titan Forge. Mm-hmm. Then you have like this block in the middle where we kind of fall as well. It's like the fifteen hundred patrons and above, mm-hmm. and then you have just thousands of like they'll get you know thirty patrons or hundred patrons or something, um, and it's not going to get any better until that falls off until those people stop. Because uh, a lot of those are like they're individual sculptors, yeah. which I think is awesome. I 100% commend like you working for yourself, doing what you want to do. Yeah. But the problem is like at some point you got to recognize that like, you're not going to get traction because you can only make, you know, unless you're Andrea from Artisan Guild, which I don't know how the fuck he does it. <laughs> Sorry. But like he makes so many models a month and then he does all the like the rendering and everything. And that's all him. And I think his girlfriend. And that's it. Just those yeah. two people doing all of that. That's impressive. But most people will do like five or six, yeah. which is good. But if you're charging $7, Broken Anvil $7, and we provide you with like 40 plus miniatures and a map and some stack cards, like it's hard to compete with the bigger ones. So until the small ones start falling off again, I don't think it's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. But realistically, I don't know if we want to be in Patreon forever because it's it's tough. It's a it's a huge toll on our guys and gals, everybody here. Um, that monthly stress of like, we got to get all this stuff out and ready. It's just, it's not fun to be honest. Like we, it was, and it's starting to get that, like uh, the newness is worn off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So actually kind of in that same vein, what are some hardships in owning a miniature company? I would say that Patreon, keep up that hustle. Yeah. That's definitely one or something. Um, well, for me, it's learning the community, to be honest, like in what you guys want. Cause every everyone's different right and there's so many popular things out there and while i think you can carve your own path that's one way of doing things it's also trying to figure out like well what what should we be making what do people want to see i think that's a that's a difficult one weighs on me all the time it's like is that thing we're making gonna hit with people especially with patreon that's a that's a hit or myth like or hit or miss we'll make one month where it's cool owl folk and, and rabbit folk and people go crazy for it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll make another month and there'll be like elves and nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. So the key to success yeah. is anthropomorphic miniatures. Yeah. Hey, we, yeah. Well, well, first, yeah. <laughs> it's been, it's been crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's Fox people. Yeah, I got all sorts of ideas for animal people. Do you? Yeah. Chris, if you want to contact is it, Chris. Is it taking an animal <laughs> and then making a human Squirrel out of people. Yeah. Boom, squirrel oh, people. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah you yeah, got to yeah. put kin at the end of it. So, kin. squirrel kin. Mo- oh. Mole kin. Okay, okay. Rat kin. Newt's, newt's kin. And, and to be clear, I, I love what we do. I love that part of it. But yeah, it gets a little like. Right. Yeah, just trying to figure it out every month. Like, fuck. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. It's like you get excited about an endeavor, and maybe you 
kind of just stretch a little too far. And then it's just, a little, I have to do that all the time. I promise more work that I'm capable of doing is that yeah. all the time and I suffer for it. And I have to like figure it out and it's all on me. So I understand. And with the Patreon too, you can only go so far, right? Like yeah. we make some minis, we deliver them and that's it. And I don't like that. There's no like, for us, there's no permanent attachment to those miniatures because we're like, as soon as we deliver, on to the next month, we move on. Yeah. I don't like that. I want to develop lore and some richness to what we're making so that people get attached. Like, if we're making 40 miniatures, I want a story, wow. I want a world, I want maybe a little mini game people can play with their miniatures. Like, yeah, it's a throwaway. Yeah. It's like, on to the next thing, like, whatever, throw it on the deep sea of my mini factory. Like, they're going to find it. I would rather take, you know, six months off of Patreon and develop another Dungeon Delivers that includes, you know, 200 miniatures and a full adventure campaign and, you know, custom stuff that is different. Right. That'd be really fun. I never thought about that, how just, like, fast we move on from each month of yeah. Patreon. And most people don't even print the models. Oh, no, no. Yeah, they'll, they'll pick one. Collection. Right? They'll, they'll print one, and then they'll, they'll just, they just save that is a shame, hundreds of them. I will tell you, from all of my friends that, have, that are back, multiple 3D printing Patreons, it's like collecting baseball cards. Yeah. They collect them to download all the files. For future use, because they like what they what they are, mm -hmm. yeah, but they don't really print anything. They don't need all of them, right? No, or or they, they print like one thing for a D and D game. We've yeah. used, you know, we've used your stuff for our D and D games for monsters and all that kind of stuff, and um, and all the dungeon delvers. Your dungeon delver stuff is regularly. Because you know, I did a sponsorship, and he gives me a bunch of dungeon delver stuff. Yeah. We paint it up, and we play with that in our D and D games. But I think there's a big part of that too. It's like if I get the physical thing, I. I have actually taken down one of my barriers right. to satisfaction. And satisfaction yeah. from the consumer standpoint is seeing the thing in the the way I imagined it that led me to purchase in the first place. Yeah. Mm. And the actual act of, of printing it all out and all the headaches of the comes with 3D printing and the mess and the time and the everything and the, the quality, like all of that, we could take that all away. I mostly just want Chris to make a whole bunch more minis so that he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, from our point of view, too, like the one thing that really chaps my head. I don't like the fact that I can't control quality on the prints that people do. Mm -hmm. And that sounds really obsessive. Oh, and I, I totally like, get it. Yeah. Like some people will print on a really nice machine, they'll show it off on Instagram. You're like, that's gorgeous, great. And then another person will print it, and you're like, did you use that a potato? <laughs> and that sucks. And it's like, it makes me feel bad for them because they're not experiencing like the full depthness of our sculpt or whatever yeah. it may be. Uh, and then I feel bad for, you know, my staff who like they see it and they're like, oh man, I want it. like paint jobs cool, but that's. Oh, it's just layer lines. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. You know, but if we do it physically and we send out a, a model, we know. Like, yes, yeah. it's perfect. There you go. It's, mm. it's what we can give you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have a question for the room here. Is buying STLs like baseball cards any different than buying miniatures and not painting them and just putting them away? Uh, at least I get to I get to look at my preciouses. <laughs> my preciouses. And you can resell them. Hey, that's oh, true. You can't really resell the SDL. Oh, you totally, totally can't. You shouldn't. Oh, you shouldn't. Oh, you shouldn't. Selling a lot of LCL cards, downloaded over the course of seven years, 8,000 plus files, 50 bucks. This was all a setup to get Scott to admit to <laughs> buying uh, secondhand SDLs on the internet. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I'm out of here. I found a guy on a Telegram, whatever the hell it is. It's old. Sounds like yeah, an app. It's like a WhatsApp thing. 
who is selling. So he's, he downloads oh, no. all of the, the STL files from everybody and sells them in a big pack for a monthly fee of 30 bucks a month. And it's like 18,000 miniatures in there. I'm like, you suck. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Are you, is there stuff in there? Yeah. Can oh, you yeah. make this person stop? Nope. Why not? What are you going to do? He's in Russia somewhere on the back end of Telegram. Hey, man, make his life suck. Make it, make it hard Probably for him. Probably already does. That's why he's doing these horrible, miserable things. Yeah, okay, that's, that's, well, that's some insight. Well, maybe yeah. if he is in Russia, he can't take money anymore. His bank yeah, account just needs internationally. Maybe he can't do it. I hope so, so that's that's terrible. I, that's so weird that um, <laughs> well, I just think about that, but I've never really talked to a, a mentioned company owner to talk about like recasting and stuff in, in a 3D printing sphere. This is the, your version of recast. It is, and I hate it. Yeah, I see it all the time, man. I see like, uh, fortunately, there's a lot of really cool people out there. So I had someone just recently who was selling Dungeon Delvers prints on Etsy, mm -hmm. and we don't have a commercial license for that. Like I told people that that's a no go, right? Uh, he didn't know that. He bought them from my manufacturer. He's one of our Patreon merchants. So I messaged him, and he was like, I'm so sorry. Here's how many I sold. Do you want me to pay you? And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. It's one of the no, and just shut it down. And he was yeah. like, no problem. But then you have other people who will just ignore you until you get Etsy to shut them down, and then they start a new one up because they're dicks. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So the, the, the hours <clears throat> of your day or week or month that get sucked away instead of focusing on the cool thing and helping your team where they need help, you're dealing with this. I mean, this is like yeah. we all in our in our day to day work, whatever we do for work, there's always that part of it that sucks that you wish you didn't have to do. And this sounds like a pretty shitty thing to have to do. Yeah, luckily it's a it's a small part because yeah. generally I look at it and go, I can't do anything, so and just ignore it. Right. Move on. Yeah. Is there any world where you would take these old STL designs and make physical models out of them at some point? That world exists, my friend. Yeah, we we plan to. So, um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah. right now it does. Yeah, so it's already in the works. We um, oh. we were thinking about doing like. No, no. We're thinking about doing a um, like a Reaper Bone style thing with a lot of our Patreon minis, where we can make cheap plastic minis, mm -hmm. really, really cheap. Yeah, give you a big bundle. Okay, nice. Something like that. Um, we're also considering doing a so the Patreon's in limbo a little bit. Sorry for the patrons out there that don't know that yet. But we don't know if we're going to continue after the next couple months because we just have other stuff we're doing. Um, but one way we might keep it alive and different is a physical Patreon. Where yeah. we're producing about 15 models uh, for you know somewhere between 25 and 40 bucks. You just give us the money, we give you the minis. It's like a monthly mini box. Yep, and it will be limited. And I know those exist, but the not the, that many though. No, and the cool part about this is it's different minis that we make every yeah. month. Like I've seen a lot of those boxes where they gather minis from other companies, right? Put them in a box, send them to you, dude. What if one of the minis in the box is limited edition, and the rest you just kind of can buy as into blisters and they get it at a little bit of a discount? Yeah. And you get the limited edition one. Nobody else will ever get ever. It's a physical model, so yes. it feels cooler yeah. than an STF. We're making you millions of dollars right here. Chris. Yeah, you better protect yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably has already thought of this. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. No, yeah, we've, yeah. Been, we've been toying around with the, how we can do that. So it's a, it's we don't want to do anything physical until we deliver Dungeon Lovers. For like, sure. I mean, Rivenstone launches next week, but that delivery's you know down the road. So yeah. the idea is that we won't sell any new physical product that we can deliver right away until. Dungeon Lovers out the door. Once that's out the door, though, we have so much shit that we're working on that we're super excited about. So at least that's cool that 
I mean, it sucks as the dungeon delver backers that you you're just kind of sitting in this holding pattern. Yeah. And as it's you the know, second holding pattern actually holding pattern. <laughs> what is he yeah, out? We got in the air force or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> holding pattern. Yeah, we get, we got the we got the the, the storage crates holding pattern. We got the sitting in the bay bay of pigs holding pattern. Two barrel roll. We got <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Are they are all the the stuff that you're waiting on? Is that in in the United States now? Not yet. It'll be here in May. Okay, so yeah. at least the is on the horizon. But yeah. but I, I'm trying to on the bright side here, because the things that you're waiting on, or that the the backers are waiting on, are not actually things that that you could be doing because you've done all your things. Right. Um, that leaves your team to focus on other awesome work. Obviously, yes. one of those things is Rivenstone, yeah. and then it sounds like you got some other cool stuff that's coming down the pike as well. So. Yes, sir. Mm. So, so, that's cool. Okay, so we talked about some of the hardships of, of being a miniature company owner. What's, like, your favorite thing about being a miniature company owner? Oh, my God. it's Or, or several things. No, it's, it's the creative process. Yeah. So it's just like getting together with people, talking about fun stuff we can put in the game, new miniatures we want to make, um, seeing, like, art come in from our 2D artists. That's one of my favorite things in the world, just, mm. like, because we hired really creative people, and when you let them kind of, like, do their thing, you get really cool results. So yes. It's just that. Yeah. I, I love the creative process. Yeah, you were showing us some demons yesterday, yeah. and they yeah. were pretty unique, and they weren't, like, typical, like, I got fangs and claws. And they, were, <laughs> they, were, they were definitely different looking. Yeah. So that shows. Super fun. And I, I also think that being able to see at the end of the day that a physical thing, there's some maker aspect of like yeah. our whole team came together and at the end, this this thing, we have a thing, right? Oh, it That's happens every time we make a new mold yeah. and we, we get it balanced. We push the first mini out of the CEO cast. Like, yeah. it's always that moment where like, Oh, we got it. We got this thing. Peel that mold yeah. off. I also saw, this is totally off topic, I saw a seal press in uh -huh. the, in your casting room. Mm -hmm. That's seal press. That's how you make the molds. So uh -huh. you, you build the molds, and then you put them in a frame, and the frame goes into the press, and they get vulcanized in the press. So Vulcanized. <laughs> uh, when... Uh, when you make, sorry, so when you talk about the price of CO cast, it's, it was like a figure like 60 to 80K. Yeah. Right? Does that include both machines? One machine. No. Yeah, you but gotta, you need the other one. You need it. On top of that. Right? Oh, no. You meant the CO press and the machine. Yeah. Yeah. So when you first buy into it, it's it can be anywhere from 60 to 100K. It just depends on where you are and all the other factors. And the holding pattern. But generally, yeah. Generally, you want to, you get like this starter package, which has your press, your frame, uh, a considerable amount of material as well to start, mm -hmm. and then silicone. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the next time you buy a machine, you don't have to buy all that stuff. You just buy a machine, and that's like, 60 to 80k. Okay. Okay. Interesting. You guys have two. Two. We have yeah. two. Two machines. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. I want to know about your, your experience of the hobby itself as an individual. You're telling me a story when you're younger <laughs> and then a different yeah. story later on in life. Yeah. Uh, I've been into nerdy stuff my whole life. Comic books, D&D, Magic the Gathering when I was really young. Um, and just, I like cartoons. I fucking love cartoons. Cartoons. Wizards. This guy. Cartoons, dude. Cartoons, man. Um, so I've always loved it. And like when I was young-ish, uh, Heroclix came out. Yeah. I'm a Marvel Comics fan. So. People still play that. I yeah. knew a guy at Sonic Weiss and Fire Night plays Heroclix. I, I bought into way more Heroclix than I ever should have. Mm. Like I was buying them by the crate. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then I noticed at the comic store, 40K. 
And I was like, this is, mm-hmm. these are cool. These are different. These guys look like they kill things. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and unfortunately, I just, I, I went up to try to play with the dudes that were up there, and they didn't want me to play with them. So I, it was an immediate, like, all right, fuck it. I'm Get, out. And I never saw it again for years. I just ignored it. It wasn't mm-hmm. on my radar. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like 2020, really, like people started showing me more stuff. So I mean, I'm cool. Hobby was from all the different games. Mm-hmm. And then I went, oof. Just head first. <laughs> head first, and I haven't come back up for air. So okay. I have way too many minis. Yeah. Too many minis. That's so awesome. The well is deep. Yeah. Drink your fill. It's gross. Do you think? <laughs> Tastes like hot sauce. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> shut up. I'm being serious. Oh, okay. Be serious now. Uh, do you think that if those people were more inviting, that Broken Anvil would have happened sooner or a version of it? Yes. I think so. You hear that? <laughs> You jerks. You, you're listening to this episode. You definitely aren't. No, and then, so that's the thing, too. Like, I don't have any... There's no ill will towards those guys because I kind of understand where they're coming from. Like, no, I was, there's ill will. Well, <laughs> from me. I was really big into music when I was younger. And that was always kind of a thing that I had to grow out of was, like, I would find people who liked the same music as me and maybe they weren't into, the like, the other stuff I was into, so I'd want them out of that. Like, don't you don't, you don't need to like... The music I like, that's dumb. Like, mm-hmm. that's for me. Mm-hmm. This is my special thing. Mm-hmm. And same thing with D&D. That was always like, as soon as that started to become really popular, there was a little bit of irritation where I was like, oh, what now the jocks like D&D? Hey, come on. Yeah. But then, then you have to really think about it. You're like, well, that's a good thing. Because the more people that adopt the thing, the more money can go into the thing, and the more experiences we can have, the more products we can have. Yep. And so... Whilst they were being protective of something they love, they probably just thought someone would troll them or whatever. Because people come to play games because of, you know, tons of different reasons. Okay. Some might be they don't have a lot of friends and they find friends there and then that's their thing. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I may have not been that guy they want to be friends with. So like, get out. This is our thing. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I might have been into minis earlier in life for sure. But that's okay. I'm into it now. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No looking back, right? No. Or maybe if he does play that game that day, mm. Broken Handful never exists. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you, can't, you can't really ask yeah. that question. Yeah. yeah the multiverse question. Yeah, because if you got it early and then he got the 3D printing, he'd have been younger and he would have drank the liquid resin. Yes, because I do that. Yeah, people do yes. that, right? I think that's what was actually in that hot sauce. Now that I think about it, it's just red Dude, resin. Earlier, you were looking a fucking window. Did you see this? No. It's no. John, John, John. Like I've been doing an interview, he walks up and puts his face, his forehead, in the window. I was like, okay, that's funny. And he starts licking the window. What the fuck are you smoking, bro? We haven't cleaned those yet. Yeah, that's what they said through the through the glass. We're like, we haven't cleaned those yet. It's like. Oh, Schnozberries taste like Schnozberries, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Okay, so nobody that plays 40k likes Chris. That yeah, we established. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know why? I can't name any chapters. So oh, right. Yeah. Well, you know the bloody eagles. And I, I hopped on the table. Was like, can I play with my trash bros? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trash bros on the table. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. It looked right. like grass. Right. <laughs> it's like I'm a I'm a I'm a one to one size warlord titan. I just yeah. walk over the table. Ah. I knew the rules. Yeah, these are the rules. So you're in the game development, or you written some. Yeah, and I'm not. I have people that do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know, I have a hard time letting go of things creative, Uh-oh. really anything. Yeah. And so when I like collaborate, um, like you know, it's very difficult for me to make a miniature, right? Sure. 
So I imagine as a company owner with a vision about what you want your product to look like, you have to make concessions a lot because you can't, you don't have time to tell everyone, no, 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 revision, revision, revision. Here's my notes, here's my notes, here's my notes. You gotta be like, okay, name the orc Hobart. You know, dwarf. Dwarf. Dwarf, dwarf. dwarf yeah. is named Hobart. Yeah, you know, orc is like, this, this is not a hill that I have to die on. I've died on some hills. Some? Yeah. I feel like you have to die on many hills. Not on Hobart's hill, though. No, I did die on murder birds. Murder birds. <laughs> how many how many concessions do you have to make? What's Lots. your what's your concessions per day? What's your CPD? My CPD is many. Um, but I think that's part of being being a director is you have to trust the people you bring on to do their job. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, like if I don't like something, that doesn't mean that thing's not good. Mm. I have my own proclivities, <laughs> and uh, sometimes they don't mesh with everybody else. But yeah. Um, I think there are sticking points, like like I mentioned, murder birds earlier. That that was a name we had for those little pterodactyl birds that ride around with the oryx mm -hmm. when we first started making Ribbonstone. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have a name for them, so we just said they're murder birds, yeah. and that stuck. And people got attached to it. And then we started to make the cards, and I was like, no, no, we have to change that. They're not murder birds. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, our game designer Will was like, no, but murder, murder birds is awesome. Like, yeah, I get it, but it's not. It's not in world. It doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, let's come up with a name. Yeah. So we named them Carnotarix. You know, that's fine. But we have people in the Discord that call them murder birds still. Yeah. And that's yeah. a thing. They're like, no, they're fucking murder birds. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Sure. But that was a hill I died on, and it was one of those like I did it because it it just had to be done. However. I understand the other side of it. So had they fought, Will's gonna hate me now because he should. No, don't he'll, say he'll, it. He'll don't know say my it. If he fought a little bit harder, I would have been like, "Yeah, it's fine." It's fine. Oh, <laughs> the no. thing is, you've sealed your own fate now because you talked about it on the podcast. Every time, and now uh, everyone said, "Call them Redbirds." Redbirds. I was on the Barracks Action podcast like a week or so ago. Yeah, and yeah. I spilled every bean. All the beans, all beans, <laughs> every bean, every bean on the table. Do I have any more beans? I have zero beans. Oh, no. <laughs> all beans were gone. Oh, beans. Yeah. There was a beans available at the uh, smoke show. Uh, what? <laughs> hot roast. The lunch thing that we showed up. Okay. Moving on. Smoke show. Smoke show. Okay. Uh, we are in Washington State. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, I was going to say something important. Uh, okay, okay, so do you feel that you sometimes make concessions because you want to empower the employees too? Does it feel like, if, if you feel like at the end of the day you have to write off, you have to sign off on everything, that you're kind of like killing their yes. design, drive, and artistic vision too? Yeah, I think that's wildly important is that people understand their value and you have to show that all the time. Um, the biggest thing here, though, is that like I trust the people that we we've brought on. Right, you brought them, them on right? for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. They're good at what they do. They're better at what they do than what than me. That's why I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I much prefer that I I can take a, a like a backseat approach almost and hop in when I'm needed or when I want to. Like if it's a lore discussion, I'm interested in it. Yeah, I want to be a part of it. But there's some like game design stuff. I don't want anything to do with it because I'm just going to muddy that the, the water up. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to make it worse for them and not let them do their job efficiently. So yeah, I uh, I went to lesson one time where I was designing a shirt and I had an artist working with me and I posted it on Patreon an early rendition of it and I was like, what do you guys think? And they kind of gave me opinions and then I shared those opinions with the artist 
And he was like, well, I can't really design this by committee. And yeah. I was like, whoa, I never thought of it that way. But it's like, yeah, how is he going to please everybody? I'm an idiot. And so in that same vein, it's like, if I just take the rule set for Rivet Center on everyone in the office, it's like, what do you think? You're going to get like eight different responses, right? So certain people should be in charge of making decisions about gameplay, about molding and casting, about engineering and shit. And certain people just, you know, don't. Well, what's great, though, too, is if you're working with professionals, like, They'll set all that up. So we'll set up the rules, Faye developed them, then we play. Mm -hmm. And then they listen to your feedback. Right. And they treat it as valid. Right. And if they're like, you barely play games. Yeah. Right. Because that's that's my biggest fear. Like, I don't have a lot of gaming experience. Mm -hmm. So I give them my, my initial feedback, but I'm like, take it with a grain of salt because I don't, I don't fucking know. This is just my experience. Yeah. Sure. But they'll listen to it. And they'll make changes that they think is necessary. And it's fluid. Yeah, but not, not during the design process, right? No, it's usually designed, and then you develop. Exactly. So and that's when you break the game, right. and then you fix it, and you break it, and you fix it, break it. So you got to give someone the opportunity to, to present you a complete product, or a version of a complete product. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I learned yesterday came around, I went around the Friday, and everyone was just, like, kind of sleepy in the afternoon yeah. after the barbecue. <laughs> and so I was that usual, like, Friday, uh, mid-afternoon, not really giving it the old 100% in the old office. And so I'm like, great, it's a great opportunity for me to walk around and just talk to everybody. And I went over and talked to Faye. And Faye, I asked, you know, some more details about what, what she does. And she says, I break the game. Yeah. And I'm like, your whole job is to break the game? She's like, yeah, I break it so we can fix it and make it better. I'm like, you got a whole person, Chris, whose job is to break the game and then make it better? I'm like, I feel like there's a lot of big companies that make games that don't have faith. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there, there are a lot. Uh, usually you just have a designer. Well, they just yeah. don't pay them. They're like volunteers and like, mm. you know, the glorified employees. Yeah. yeah. But that was, that was really cool. That was really cool. And she's obviously passionate about it. Like the totally different personality that I have and that, that attention to detail and that kind of stuff is just really cool. I saw everyone around this office. There were so many crazy personalities and unique people. But it was like there was a common thread amongst all of them is this place. And I told you this yesterday. Like this place kind of feels like a family. Like everybody, like yeah, there's a weird uncle, okay? There's a weird uncle, but we but we all still love him, even though he's kind of drunk all the time. But, but like everyone's like they they just like melt together well when they need to go and, and check with somebody from a totally different department, nothing to do with what they do. They still will get their heads together and work on stuff. And it just felt it was really weird, almost in here, because I spent a lot of my life in, a, in an office setting, and this is like an office setting. It's like a it's like a group. Of, of a traveling carnival and they <laughs> took up shop in an office building. <laughs> you just call us carnies? Yeah. I love it. I'm BA right now. Well, yeah. He's serious. sitting right there like, in this fine. fucking building. Yeah, broken animal carnies. <laughs> carnies are cool. Carnies yeah. are cool. BAC. I get what you're saying. Yeah. And we have a name for it. So the Discord carnies. Yeah. It's Bamley. Bamley. Oh. It's cute. Okay. Wait, hold on. The broken animal. It's just Bamley. Like it, family. Right. Oh, no. I get it. Okay. Oh, okay. Fine. Oh, you don't understand. You don't get this reference. Okay. I, thought, I thought, oh, God, I'd call it the Baffley. <laughs> Wait, no, that's <laughs> making sense. There's an M in family. As in the beginning, you replaced it with a B. I'm just working it out in my head right now. Okay? Okay. Just, change, just change the one letter. Yeah, it's the yeah. one. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I know when I worked in, my dad was a software engineer. We had this whole workflow. Like, uh, you would do one-week sprints. You'd be assigned tasks. Uh, do you have a similar... Uh, workflow like that to use some people tasks in a, an application like Jira um, and then like oh, have a meeting at the end 
Yes. We do a lot of meetings. We do a lot of like task assignments, but it's a little more fluid than that because okay. it's there's so many moving parts, and we're getting better and better about like the the team growth has been insane. So mm-hmm. over the last year and a half, we went from I think seven people to thirty five plus. Man. Right, I think it's where we're at right now, like just under forty or something like that. Okay. So it's been a lot of like okay we got to get systems in place. And like what we generally do is we figure out we'll work, we'll do stuff. And when something breaks down communication, we'll fix it. And then we'll put systems in place to then move forward. So right now we're in that, like we just built the game and it took almost two years. How do we do better the next time? Retrospective. Or for the next expansion for the game, like wave two or wave three, how do we make this process better? Yeah. You need your Sure. Need tasks? No, I'm just kidding. I, I hate that shit. Uh, I don't know. Whiteboard. I mean, it's not necessary. Yeah, I mean, that, that is whiteboard. That's a physical version. With, with uh, sticky notes? Yeah. Of Kanban board. That actually you know? helps a ton. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm all about this. The physical representation. Yeah. I like that. I want no Kanban. Oh, God, that just makes me vomit thinking about uh, we had Kanban. I know. I, I made a trip uh, like 18 people by saying Kanban. Uh, Trello. Yeah, Trello. Trello. Yeah. I love Trello. I used to love for, for my own. Uh, yeah, we're going to adapt uh, or adopt it. Base camp as well. So you do have some kind of board. Yeah. Okay. You have systems, but okay. we're system adding to those systems. Are you, are you strong that fan? Oh yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Yeah, let's watch some strong man. It's gonna be terrible and not funny at all. No, because I watched it when I was a fucking like ten year old. I was like, this is the best. It doesn't hold up. I watched it in college and I thought it was funny then. So I think it's worse if I. I'm like, yeah, so good. I think there's gonna be moments. It's nostalgia, right? Yeah, we're having fun right now. Everybody loves things that are terrible when they're when they're adults that they love and they're kids. It's like a movie, you know. You watch it, you're like, hey, this kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. That's Except Willow. Willow's great. Yeah. And never ending story. Well, they, a lot of the 80s, especially like fantasy 80s, that they hold up. I'm, I'm, I love never ending story. I'm getting, yeah. a, I'm getting a boner right now, boys. No, oh, boy. I love fantasy 80s That's movies so much. All time. It's so great. Yeah. Poor Atreyu getting lost in the Swamp of Sorrow. Rip. Rip Atreyu. Also, can we talk about a horse named Atreyu? Metal Band? Yeah. Well, the horse came first. The horse came first, yeah. Uh, that, that's what the band's named after. Yes. Yeah, a that's horse in that random story? Not the, uh, that's not the horse's name. Yeah, it's it's uh, Atreus, the kid's name. Hold on. Artex. Artex. I thought that the horse's name was something else and the kid's name was Atreus, but then I watched it again and I thought I was wrong. The kid's name was Atreus? Yeah. Okay, then the I'm, horse's name's Artex. I just, I'm an idiot. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Okay. He should have been pretty good. Maybe the, maybe the kid should have died and the horse lived. The horse the goes swamp. through the right. gate. <laughs> Doesn't get lasered. <laughs> he gets up to like his he gets up to like his, his sweatband waistband in mud and sinking. And then he's like, oh no. Yeah. Like, bro, at ankle depth, you should be like, this is getting deeper. Yeah. And horses are heavy. Yeah. 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 I think I'm, 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 a, I'm a weak boy with noodle arms. <laughs> yeah. We're done for. Yeah. No, actually, I'm cool. Yeah. That that, that movie uh, in that moment broke many children, mm-hmm. much yeah. me included. Yeah. That's a rough point. Should we just talk about 80s fantasy movies right now? Sure. Yeah. Like Beastmaster and Conan yeah. and yeah, yeah. Highlander and Dragon Slayer. I want to go back to Willow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Willow. Dada, dada. All right. We were talking about Willow, though. No, we're not talking about any of that shit. Mad marketing! <laughs> you you idiot! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I would love that. So how often do you have to, like, work overtime on, like, weekends to, like, finish projects? Uh, that's, like, 
dungeon delvers related, Patreon related, stuff like that. How come are you are you working past the forty hours? Personally or the team? Both. Uh, personally, a lot most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Um, the leadership here tends to work. The owners actually tend to work a lot. Yeah. Like Sixteen hour days plus. Uh, Yikes! But I don't do that to the team. Like very rarely have we worked overtime at all. Like the only extra time really has been this move and a little bit for Ribbonstone here and there, but not much. Mm -hmm. Try to keep them at forty hours, and that's it. And other than like when we're here on a weekend, Chris says you guys need to show up because Scott and John need to be entertained. (laughs) I kind of feel like yeah, like half of them like hate us. Sits out there doing that sign stuff because we want to have that sign for the live stream for Ribbonstone. Yes, I love that sign. It's on my Instagram story if you want to check it out. I mean, this episode will air far beyond after that thing expires. <laughs> I'm really Canadian. You go back in time. But yeah, <laughs> go back time. Although, if you go to the Ribbonstone Kickstarter page, yeah, yeah, you're just, probably going to have toss of game there. up there. Yeah, yeah, you'll see this. It's freaking crazy. It's like it's just it's just yeah. amazing, and it looks like real stone. And like the process of them making that and like being perfect alignment to the logo is like wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, it's it, like movie props. It is, 100%. I feel like whenever I have a situation where I'm like working a ton, I feel like, man, I messed up somewhere earlier on in the process. Like, I, and I'm, I'm going to change this for the future. So do you see a world where you are working 16-hour days, you're working 10-hour days, 8-hour oh, days? I love that world. Is that, a, <laughs> is that a world you're actively trying to get to? Yeah, so that all that takes is more people, right? So really? The more people I can add to the team. More less commitment. Do, more people. Okay. I, I will never be less committed. Okay, but <laughs> I didn't mean like that. You know I mean? Less, <laughs> no. less product. Screw it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's it's just more people to take the hats off my head. Right. Yeah. Not too many hats. So mm-hmm. once I get like a like if we had a business manager, that's half my job. What would they do? What would a business manager do in this hobby? Payroll. Uh, they can handle HR. Mm. Yeah, like just, just yeah, yeah. standard stuff. Talking okay. to clients, like for for example, if we do need like licensing agreements or stuff like that, I don't necessarily have to be the one talking mm. in that situation. Yeah, it can be a business manager or someone else. Okay. Um, but just removing those things from my plate lets me focus on the creative direction, which is really what I want to do. Mm. That's the part of this job that I love the most. It's so. interesting. Is there a title in a, in a corporate business structure that would encapsulate that role? You know, it was like administrator, a CFO. Like a C-suite title? Yeah. No, I don't think so, but that's fine. I don't yeah. care about that. I just want to be the creative director. Okay, okay, okay. So. Creative director. You can have whatever title you want, really. Yeah, pizza slinger. Pizza, pizza slinger. A pizza slinger of the Trash Bros. Yeah, yeah, the Trash Bros. Trash Bros. Got pizza it. slinger. That's on, it's on this plaque on this door up there. I'll put it on there. Trash Next Bros. time you guys come back, that's going to be there. Okay. Pizza slinger of the Trash Bros. Right. <laughs> this is a fucking army now. <laughs> this is going to be, yeah. be a limited edition Little character. Right in this. <laughs> it's uh, such a punk thing. I feel like you're talking about Trash Slayer of the Pizza yeah. Bros. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, no. It's Pizza Slinger of the Trash Bros. You're way off. It's our new game. Yes, yeah. trash, trash bros. It's the name of the game. It's like the cabbage patch, garbage pail kids from the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. It makes with Smash TV. You Smash TV. Oh man, <laughs> this feels like a universe I want to play in. Yep, the okay. garbage universe. Yeah, okay. garbage universe. And it's just like Pizza the Hut is one of the bosses. Oh, except, yes. except it's not pizza; it's garbage. Oh no! <laughs> We're trying to drink out the trash. <laughs> 
this game writes itself. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Easy peasy. So copyright. Don't. Fuck yeah. Nobody sticks. Nobody If we say copyright, it's copyright. It's legal. Yeah. yeah. Trademark. Yeah. Copyright registered. <laughs> we have lawyers behind the cameras nodding their heads to us. Yes. Right over there. <laughs> Philip, Stephen. Yeah. Yes. Marcy. There's Andrew as well. Okay, we got the thumbs up from the legal team. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's, it's already in the works. Trash, <laughs> Trash Bros TM. You said the game took two years to make. Yeah, just about. Yeah. Um, were there phases of that, or were there many concurrent running things, or a mixture of those? Like, what was the early beginning? What was the middle part? What was the end part? We brought on Oz in late 2020, and that was a start, and it hasn't stopped. So, okay. just boom. so, so Oz was the original, the like, rules. Yeah. yeah. Oz, Oz wrote the, the first form of the game, and then... We brought on Hungerford, so Oz had to to leave, take a job at Steve uh, Steve Jackson Games, mm-hmm. been working on much good stuff. Yeah, um, it's great. Super happy for him. Um, but then he recommended Hungerford, so we brought on Hungerford, and then about a couple months later, brought on Faye. But yeah, just back to back, just go go go. Okay, and there so was only like a week where there wasn't it wasn't being worked on. So okay, so rule development has gone on the entire two year period. I say two years. I think that's an accurate. year and a half. End of twenty twenty till now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which so is, that's been a good amount of time. Miniature creation. When did that start in the process? Concept drawing. When did that start right away? Who had the yeah. Who had the vision for the game? Who was like, okay, I'm going to establish the <laughs> feel of this world. Yeah. So which time was that? The, well, and I know you want you want an answer, and I can't give it to you. So that um, a lot of other companies, you will have you will have like a guy. Yeah. Like, this is my bird. I made this whole thing. I'm right. <laughs> and he, but they hired people to fill in all the spots, but that's his vision. Yeah. That's not where Ravenstone is. Oh. Ravenstone, it was something we came together as a team and we're like, what do we want to make? What's important to us? So, if you look at the aesthetic of Ravenstone, that's like, you get feels, right? You get a little Final Fantasy, you get a little Warcraft, you get a little mm-hmm. old school fantasy vibe with some twists and turns, right? That's something we talked about in depth. Like, what do we want it to look like? Yeah. Um, we pulled from artists that we love, uh, like Joe Mad, who did a bunch of the, um, like, Battle Chasers comic book series. Yeah. He did all the old Warcraft artwork for the very, like, early conceptual phases for Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. And we, like, love that chunky armor look, the big thick lines, the somewhat, like, Eastern style, uh, almost anime-ish looks and faces here and there. Um, but really just, like, a robust looking character that's mm-hmm. what we wanted and then lore wise we started developing that together as a team and we're bringing on writers and, and people all the time for that but it's all collaborative every aspect of it so not one person owns the vision of Rippenstone. Okay. Uh, like i have just as much in it as will or as hannah or brandon or anybody else here mm-hmm. so so how long did it take you to determine that vision it was like a month-long process. No, that's uh, still going. Ongoing. Yeah, you obviously had to have like a starting place, and you could start with concept art management. Yeah. So we brought on uh, Chris Walton, who was an uh, ex-concept artist from Privateer Press. Mm-hmm. He set a lot of look and feel of their their games, War Machine Hordes. Mm-hmm. Um, we loved his work, so brought him on to set the early tone, and then we started making miniatures almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, started modeling that stuff really, really fast. So okay. um, we've been doing that. Over the last year, okay, so year and a half. That's kind of wild. I could kind of see it now, but I would have envisioned it was a it was a much more drawn out process because you have these small teams that can just yeah. move, they hand them the baton, they can go, and the team that handed them the baton can go back there to work on mm-hmm. something else. And like the the wheel is always in motion, so you don't feel like everything needs to be taken from start to finish before you start. 
the next faction or the the look and feel of this environment or how the terrain and all, like everything can be worked on like simultaneously, which is pretty cool. It also feels like you're probably juggling a million plates. Yeah, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's probably not the right way to do it. I'm sure there's more efficient ways to do this. And uh, the biggest thing that we've learned is like, yeah, we've made a lot of mistakes. Like going back into like the early design of Ribbonstone, we're sorting problems we found now that we you know we implemented then uh, aesthetically. Yeah, it's a fluid process. We're trying to change now. Yeah. Um, but that's where like wave two, wave three, luckily we built into the lore like this idea of evolution. So as you move in time as players, right? Wave two, things start to look a little different and they feel better. Cause the, the whole point of Ribbonstone is you're, you're emerging out of like 400 years storm and now you're gonna go hunt for Ribbonstone. So you're, you're like at, you know, ground zero, right? So like the Iron Guard dwarves, they come out, they look a certain way cause that's the, that's the armor they had this whole time being like underground mm -hmm. and now they're free to roam and trade again. So wave two, we're going to have some slightly newer looking mm -hmm. iron guard that I have like that. traded with shattered empire, whatever, maybe adopting some of their technologies. Their armor looks similar, but different. Right. And that solves that problem where like we had, you know, maybe a design flaw in the first wave that we're not super happy with. We love what we made, but it could be better. Wow. And then we move into wave two and go, let's fix that. And then probably by wave three, we'll notice something we didn't like in wave two. And we can modify that and so on and so forth. So you build a safety net into the yeah. lore for design. It's nice. The lore net. The lore net. Wow. <laughs> I, I love that. That's a great idea. I'm trying to say that idea that there's a storm raging for 400 years and everyone stayed inside. I bet you got a lot of, a lot of races hating a lot of other races, right? Because when you're yeah. isolated from people and you're not in community with them, you start to think of the enemy. I think yeah. so. I think the thing we wanted to make sure we were a little bit different is that this game isn't about necessarily killing, you know, like race against race or faction against faction. Mm -hmm. It's different perspectives. So like Shattered Empire has their goal for what they're using Ribbonstone for. Mm -hmm. It's all focused around Ribbonstone. I mean, you can really just remove any faction and they don't give a shit. They're like, it's Rivenstone. That's what we care about. Mm -hmm. And their motivation to either use it, defend it, destroy it, you know, sell it, whatever it may be. Eat it? Yeah. They there is, eat it? There is a race or a faction that will use it as like, uh, like drugs. So they yeah. bring it and they, they create like living artwork with it that they'll battle with. Whoa. It's like, it's like mushroom, mushroom crystals. Yeah. They're called the severe. Yeah. yeah, and no one like not one any particular person's bad guy. They always have their different motivations for what they want to do. Definitely worse people. Yeah, uh, yeah, but they're. I, I, I don't know if they're everyone's a hero in their own story, Scott. Yeah. So in this first wave, though, you're seeing like these little snippets of what's there right now. So mm. you get this little group of Shattered Empire that's ran by a guy named Belcroft, who's like a very crazy technological spiritual leader who has a very hardcore agenda called yeah i feel yeah. dumb we should have put the models on the table in front of us you put it on the screen maybe yeah okay, okay on the screen that's even they're all gone yeah i can't grab them oh, wrong, wrong. Took, uh, you're gonna uh, play a game with them later yeah, yeah. then you have like hobart cragden the dwarf hobart uh, his whole goal is to get as much ribbon zone as he can right that's their their yeah, goal and their, and their little company of the, the iron guard dwarves that's a when I say company, it's really hard to describe to people. Like that's not like a 
like a military company. It's like that's a that's a company. Yeah, they're an LLC. Yeah, oh, yeah. Iron Guard LLC. Like it's their little group of <laughs> the uh, S Corp or C Corp. Yeah, it's a little group of dwarves. It's like Jimmy John sandwiches. <laughs> they have OSHA and all that other stuff. <laughs> not dealing. Uh, OSHA. But they have a very specific uh, purpose to gather runestone and sell it. And there may be new dwarves that come in that have a different agenda with the runestone, right? Um, same thing with the orcs. They want to destroy it because they don't think it's natural and that fucks everything up and they don't want what happened 40 years ago to happen again. And then you have the Risen, which are technically like our heroes of the, of the, the game. Right? Yeah. The undead people. Yeah. Wow. It's a good, it's a good smart, twist. Smart game. It's a twist. Yeah. Smart game. So when was that first Ribbon Sun model made? How long ago? Well, the first one's actually in the game. I think... Early 2021, mid 2021, somewhere around there. So you had prototype models made beforehand. Yeah, we've been we've been busting them out for a while. Uh, Our test ribbon cell models though was 2020. And those guys haven't made it back in the game yet. We have a version of Lacroix that made it back in, but Tornavir's still not in there. Tornavir, he will. He'll he'll come back. I painted Tornavir for the video called uh, something about color theory and being dingus. It was yellow and purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, stop using color theory like dingus. People yeah. took issue with that title. It was like, you can't be mean to people. I, like, I used the word dingus. Like, come on. It's like the most harmless insult ever. Yeah. It's pretty good. I think that video did pretty well, dude. Does it, it just mean someone who doesn't know something? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just funny sounding. <laughs> we can ask Siri. Siri, what does dick dingus don't mean? Do it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't she, she, never, she never answers when you actually need her. Get Siri out of this podcast. Siri? Oh, huh. All right. So we've talked a lot about. We kind of, you know, we shared a lot of secrets with us. So plug your stuff, man. What, what, what's Raven Zone? Where can people find it? Let them know. Let people know. Small scale skirmish war game. Mm-hmm. It's coming uh, to Kickstarter on the 26th. So I'm so nervous about that. That's crazy. It's crazy. We're excited. Yeah. We're nervous. It's it's cool. We're really just we're stoked. You know, the good so, news is, Chris. Yeah. The, by the time the video PBs are watching or listening to this, it's already past the 26th. I know. It's already past. This yeah. so the twenty ninth. Like it's in the future. The one it's been awesome. People love it. We had a million dollars. Oh my god. Let's say that. That's gonna. Oh, jinx it. Thirty million, million dollars. Shit out of it. Five hundred trillion dollars. We're going to the moon. Stretch goals for oh the moon. No, so I'll tell you an internal an internal bet that was made. Uh, I told everybody. So we have this little bet of like, what are we gonna make? What's what is the realistic funding for this? And uh, I, someone was like, a million dollars. Like, it's not gonna happen. Stop it. It's a yeah. skirmish war game. It's never happened. It's not gonna happen right now. And they're like, it'll happen. I was like, you know what? If it happens, I'll eat a goddamn shoe. So I told them I need a leather shoe or boot if we hit a million dollars. Can you live stream it? Oh, we will absolutely live stream it. And I will 100% eat that shit. Don't no. eat that boot. Don't, wouldn't they fuck you I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to die for commit. this. You have to commit to the bit. It's part of it. You get to pick the shoe, though. If you get to pick the shoe. Yeah. I'm going to go full natural leather. Yeah, I thought about that because that'd be really funny if I came out like, I got this one scale boot, bitches. No, it's going to be a full boot. Uh, and I, I gotta make sure I find one that's like full leather. I'm gonna pull the glue off of it, obviously. I'm gonna eat glue. Size, size eight? An size 10? Size 12. Size 14? My boots. Size, size 14? 12. That's a lot of That's a million bucks. So that's that's hard to do with a skirmish war game. So I mean, you get encouraged. A lot of people. That's fine. Bring it. I would love that. Yeah, and you're like, are you kidding me? Just make me eat a boot. I'll fucking eat a boot for a million dollars. Whatever. More so, it's yeah, it's a game. You guys are gonna love it. 
cool miniatures. Very cool miniatures. Got a lot of cool stuff in it. A lot of cool people have worked on it. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And stretch goals. Early birds. There are some stretch goals. Yeah, early birds are, we kept it simple. So it's, um, you get a free set of terrain for your faction. Mm, nice. Yeah. Okay. It's like $30. Is a retailer tier? Yes, there is. Yeah. yeah, we're super game store friendly. We have a bunch of systems in place to help game stores. So, Excellent. Big deal. Yeah, Thank you for sharing. Cool. Appreciate it. Yes. Go check it out. We will have the link down in the show Ravenstonegame.com. A quick break in the action to let you know that this part of the podcast is brought by friend of the show, Goody PP Extraordinaire, and Twitch Mini Painter Impending Duff. What is the Duff and why is it constantly impending? When does it get here? It's it's the doom is coming. Duff has worked hard to cultivate a single source on the internet for people to find all the hardest to get miniature products in one place. Not only does he have the dirty down rust, verdigris, and moss paints that are sweeping the hobby world by storm, but he's also the exclusive United States retailer for the Dark Star Molten Metal range. You want to get down dirty? Get a little dirty dirty. So check out the link in the description below or in the show notes if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast to check out the Dark Star Molten Metal range or any of the other goodies Duff has waiting for you. PennyDuff.com Chris, you need oh, to be way more excited for news. This is not news. Okay. Yeah. There we go. All right. Let's we got circle the way again. Yeah. Okay, we got a new Underworld season called Nether Maze. I swear to God, there's a new season of Underworld every four months. I was surprised that it's a whole new season already. Like the big base game. I was like, didn't they just release Nether Region Maze already or something? I don't know. Maybe one but, quarter. Yeah, one a quarter. But they put, keep putting out the individual boxes for the warbands. Yeah. I thought it was like one a year, but that may be. Well, I don't know. The last one was October. <laughs> okay, that's way quicker than one a year. It is, and like I feel like it's weird because they only saw like I think two to three new warbands. I don't know if that's normal. Uh, Maybe this is part of it, but they're just uh, releasing another set with still in no. the last one. It's a new season. <coughs> that's why I say that. <laughs> okay, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, John, is, John is definitely wrecking this relationship, but not in the match I anticipated. Just that I'm gonna get drunk and perfect. You got it. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, though, yeah, the rats, dude. Those rats. Have you uh-huh. seen these models? No, they're hot rats. They're hot oh, really? rats. Uh, the you look at the Nether Maze Underworlds box, and it has all the minis in it. They, it's rats and. Uh, Elves, dark elves, dark, kind of dark elves. They look like ninja rats. They're Dude. very ninja sewer rats. Couple good golden demon possibilities yeah. there. You found one that was great. Yeah, dude, the dude that's like popping out of the smoke and shit. Wait, there's smoke in there, dude. That's what he's hanging from the air. The thing that's touching his foot oh, yeah. is like a smoke bomb. Oh yeah, Kurt. Those are sweet rats, right? <laughs> oh, the one on the the one on the tube. Yes, <laughs> the tube rat. Tube rat. Oh, tube rat. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! See <laughs> that guy. I know he's really <laughs> run the net. Another thing you gotta buy. I'm not gonna paint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, got, I gotta buy it. Don't know. But those are yeah. I was shocked. That kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, the guys with the good rats. Yes, the so. cows with the good rats. Damn it. <laughs> you can always get me with a good hot rat. Yeah. And then the second thing you have here in the news, um, Danny from Miami in the video interviewing tournament players about 3D printed models, which I thought was a pretty interesting moment to ask that question because just that year, Adepticon like, kind of really restricted how many 3D models you could have in an army. Like There was no printed armies at Adepticon. That was the thing they didn't allow. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of coming right off the hot, hot heels of that, hot off the heels, hot presses, heels and presses. Uh, what are you saying? Video, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So this is the, s- the second of Danny's, um, like kind of like nude no, no, style. Third, third? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Danny. Yes. Right. Watch them. Watch all your videos. Um, actually, it's three. You Well, you know what? Like, going on there. He's gonna stroke. He only had one other one where he's wearing the crooked tie, though. Maybe he did have two crooked tie ones. He has two like Daily Show esque. Oh yes. Okay. Videos. Okay. Three. Three. Okay. Three. Yes. Um, and I think this is a cool kind of thing to talk about in the news because it's like him giving news and we're talking about him giving the news. Yeah. So it's like Inception. us talking about like Fox News on here about the Fox News people. Like that sounds There's terrible. There's podcast I'm talking about Fox News. Yeah. Well, they talk about what news they're sharing. That's pretty much every political podcast yeah. talks about what the news is talking about. Let's not do that. Okay. Um, so uh, we're skipping this part then, apparently. Yeah. But what are we doing with minis? <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting to hear what people said and Danny's thoughts on what the internet thinks of people 3D printing like armies and what the expectation is and what do you think about it and what people that were actually at an event think. And I guess it shouldn't surprise me that there is some like sense of humanity. Typically, when we're doing stuff online, it's the most like extreme version of our own opinion. Like if I'm like a I'm like a five out of ten on this topic, whatever. When someone brings something up, um, my number will either raise or lower. Mm-hmm. Much easier when you're not face to face looking someone in the eyes right. to talk to them about it. Right. And so, no surprise, when people are talking about 3D printing, it's like, oh, Games Workshop is just greedy, and they don't want us to do anything. They're running fun, and, and all this, they're going to they're gonna die because everyone's got 3D printing, and their company's going to go under. It's like everyone's so gloom and doom or extreme about it or, or a complete, like, you know, lawful good about it. And, you know, you should never even look at a 3D printer lest you be saved by the Lord's grace or something. Um, that's definitely in the Bible. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, I think that's the first Corinthians. I think it was in cubic photon, then not photon is. Yeah. Yeah. I got written after that point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Is this the Old Testament? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Okay. But either way, that's the people that were actually at this event were like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll 3D print some bits or to get different guns or blah, 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 or to try to kick bash and stuff, or or I'll do the terrain for all the games and stuff like that. And it's just like, that seems reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> People yeah. are more reasonable. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, yeah. let's ask this guy. Yeah, what do you think about that? What do you think? Is 3D printing, oh, kill- printing killing the physical adventure industry? No. Okay. Why not? I'll have to substantiate that. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> no. no. Uh, well, that's a hard one, man. So uh, at Adepticon, where the tournament's Put on by Games Workshop. I actually don't know. Obviously, there's tons of different tons of different games, right. right? That's really hard to figure out, right? But I would say, like, if Games Workshop paid money to the Adepticon people and said we're going to sponsor these tournaments, they can set the rules mm-hmm. at that point, and then it's up to them. And I, I don't necessarily know if it's right or wrong. If they don't like 3D printing stuff, that's their prerogative. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, if Rubenstone put on tournaments, which we're not planning to do right away we don't the community to do that but if we did that we put on some type of tournament or narrative event where you brought your models in and played mm. i don't care i don't think any of us here would care what you bring because you're playing our game it doesn't matter if you're playing with our minis you're still playing the game mm-hmm. that's awesome uh, i think that you limit yourself as a company if you go you're not allowed to do something because we don't want you to do it yeah, but that's I also understand it. Yeah, right? so it's it's a tough one. I think that it, it affects certain people more than others, mm-hmm. right? People who can't afford to buy miniatures but can afford to print them. I get it, mm-hmm. but maybe that 
they should embrace it and make like an alternative game where here's a rule set for 3D printed miniatures. You can tournaments around that. And then supply people with STL files that they can buy. That's crazy. Crazy, right? Crazy. I love that idea. Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to see a world where you can find a concept for a miniature, like you can get it in 75, 32, STL, or bust. Okay, hear me out. Name of the game that that lives in this universe I that allows this. Trash Bros. It's called Trash Bros. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, got it. <laughs> the, 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 it works for everything. Really, Trash Bros is the hammer that pounds in every nail. <laughs> okay. What was Danny's thoughts on that? I'm interested. Uh, you should watch the video. I'll watch the video. Yeah. yeah. You should watch the video. He needs I think they're complex. Them. They're complex because it's yeah. like, you know, he, he develops an opinion over the course of a 15-minute or maybe even longer video. Um, but also, he, he seems to be kind of impartial because he's yes. like presenting the news, right? Yeah. It's like, here are people's opinions. Here's some commentary on it, but not, not a ton. Good. Um, but it's good. I always thought those videos are fucking fantastic. Somebody should tell Danny that the news people aren't impartial. That's not how it works. Yeah, that's not how it works anymore. He should be telling us what to think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that he doesn't. That's not news. I, I don't want to think for myself, Danny. Tell me. Tell me what to think. Who should I hate? <laughs> all right. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you all for hanging out with us. Thank you, Chris, for being a guest. Thank you. Where do we find you? Yeah, don't give him your address. Yeah, Chris. What's your address? <laughs> <laughs> you can find my company at brokenamblementures.com, brokenamblementures.com, uh, brokenambleminis on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, all the socials. All the same. I think we have a TikTok. I don't do it. But what, somebody do you, else does what do you put on it? I haven't looked at it. Yeah, Someone else yeah. does our TikTok, so I've not. It's seen. just the Trash Bros promo. Probably. <laughs> uh, and the more important thing to find us at RivenstoneGame.com. RivenstoneGame.com. All right, check them out. Thank if you guys like our podcast, you can support it in a number of ways, both free and not free. Free ways you can whitelist our channel so you see Google ads, YouTube ads, and we watch them. We don't watch them. We play them every 30 minutes. You can tell your nerd friends about our podcast. You can review our podcast on things like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your audio entertainment. If you got cash and you want to spend it on us, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you can buy our t-shirts at Teespring. You can become a patron of us. And being a patron gets you what, John? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it gets you access to the after party, which is about 20 to 30 minutes longer than a regular episode. It allows you to put one of your miniatures up uh, for us to give feedback to on an episode. And also, you can give us topics to potentially discuss in an episode, all five bucks a month. So that's the ways you can support the podcast. All right, Carrie Satchon. In a world not too far from now, we're going to be playing Trash Bros. But until then, this is a Trapped Under Plastic podcast, and we have Chris on from Broken Miniatures, and we will catch you on the... Poop. <laughs>